Good morning, my name is Joel. Uh, I am one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited to be with you guys today. Uh, we are continuing in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, which has been an exciting uh, ride, an exciting journey. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians was written by uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was one of the, uh, the, the guys that, that Jesus tasked uh, with uh, living out the, the mission of reaching the world with the good news of who he was. And as Paul uh, traveled and preached the gospel, there were churches that were planted. And, and uh, the, the city of Corinth was kind of this interesting place. It would be uh, maybe closest to, uh, to our day. It would be like Las Vegas. Uh, there was a lot of tourism there. There was a lot uh, of crazy life and living there. There was, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things, whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth, but, but not really, you know. And, uh, and, and Paul ends up going there and sharing the gospel, and, and this incredible thing happens. People believe in Jesus and come to know him as Savior. And as Paul continues his missionary journeys, he's staying in contact with them, uh, wanting to know how they're doing. And, and unfortunately, he hears a, a little bit of a negative report that, that it is kind of a mess in Corinth. Uh, Corinth is a church that is struggling to really understand what Christianity is all about, what it means to be the church. Corinth struggles deeply with this. And so Paul writes them a letter to, uh, to address some of those concerns. And I love the way the, the book of 1 Corinthians opens up. It opens up uh, addressing them as saints and dearly beloved. I mean, what an awesome thing that this church that is totally missing the mark, totally messing up, that their core identity from Paul's perspective is still what? That they're loved by God, right? And so I take great comfort as I read the book of 1 Corinthians because as I look at my own life, I think, yeah, I'm pretty messed up too, right? Anybody can relate or is it just me? Is it just me? Okay. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I, I really do. I, I'm excited uh, for what God is going to do also here at Mosaic Church through the book of 1 Corinthians. As we've been traveling through, we've seen some, some things that have been unfolding in Corinth that Paul begins to address. Uh, he, he addresses this idea of factions that are forming in Corinth. Some people are saying, you know, I, I, I follow this guy, and some people are saying, I follow that guy. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Uh, I follow Cephas, who is Peter. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't follow any of those guys. It's just me and Jesus. And the core reality is that none of them were actually submitted to anyone. They were all just kind of trying to uh, pick and choose their favorites based on whatever, whatever they thought was most important. And Paul addresses that because there are divisions that are happening in the church as a result. The Corinthians are confused about what it looks like to, to live for Jesus in terms of their personal lives, and, and they, they weren't sure uh, what it meant to hold each other accountable, to, to, to live lives that, that reflect Jesus, and so they were confused about uh, things that were sinful versus not sinful. They didn't know uh, what it looked like to step into one another's life, and so Paul had to, to write to them and talk to them about what it looks like to, to have healthy, good judgment in a church, and, and in our culture, that is very countercultural. You know, the, the don't judge me culture that we have, it's very, very countercultural. But Paul helps them understand that we as followers of Jesus ought not to judge people outside the church, but it is important for us to have good, healthy, heartfelt conversations uh, to help people understand what it ought to look like to follow Jesus. So Paul's writing 
to the Corinthians about some of these issues, and he continues uh, to write about this idea of authority, because the Corinthians really struggled uh, with being under authority. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians, appealing to them that they ought to not see authority as a burden, but as a gift and recognize Paul's authority in their life, not as a boss, but as a father, a spiritual father. You know, in our culture, uh, that kind of makes sense to us, doesn't it? Like authority kind of rubs us the wrong way. Like we're Americans. Like we started by rebelling against authority. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how we all got our start. And so we're like, you know, hey, if we don't like something, it's time to throw a Boston Tea Party. Like that's just how we do, you know? And, and, and for us, uh, we in our culture, we either say, okay, authority uh, is, is bad, so I'm going to do everything I can to resist authority. Or we kind of say, you know, authority is, is, is not awesome unless I'm the one in authority, Right? So we rise to authority in our context, whether it be in our workplace or, or, or in our family life or whatever it may be. We kind of look at authority and think there's really only two options, either resist it or be the one in charge, right? And, and that's kind of the culture that we live in. That is also the culture that the, that the Corinthians lived in. They were very individualistic. They didn't have much uh, cultural heritage. The city of Corinth had been fully destroyed uh, before Paul wrote to them about 90 years uh, earlier. And so a lot of the people in Corinth were immigrants. They didn't have uh, much of an identity of, of structure of leadership. They just were individuals. And Paul is writing them to them, trying to help them understand how important authority is, specifically his authority in their life, but in general, authority, uh, both in life as well as in spiritual life within the local church. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's on page 619 of the Mosaic Bibles. If you grabbed one on your way in, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to get our start in verse 1. Paul is talking about this dynamic between uh, him and another one of these guys, these apostles, these early, uh, early church uh, preachers of the gospel, this guy named uh, Apollos. He was really uh, one of those guys who was very eloquent in the way that he preached. In fact, he got his full-time uh, living. He was able to make his full-time living by uh, being kind of an itinerant preacher, going around and sharing uh, with people the gospel. And in Corinth, that was very highly valued. If you could be a public speaker for a living, that was very, very highly valued. And we know that Paul, while he was in Corinth, not because he couldn't have, couldn't have made it as uh, a, a person who uh, made his living from the gospel full-time, that's not the reason. Uh, he actually made tents because he didn't want to be a burden uh, on his team. He didn't want to be a burden on the church. So in Corinth, uh, which, which uh, was a huge tourist city, they even had uh, huge games like Olympic games called the Corinthian games. And Paul was making tents for people who were coming in and making his living that way. But because of that, people in Corinth began to kind of look at him and be like, man, he's just, 
He's just kind of like a, a laborer. He, he, he's not really one of those uh, itinerant preachers. He's not skilled enough in that for us to respect him. And so this is where some of that uh, disrespect is coming from the Corinthians towards Paul. And Paul's trying to help them, uh, rather than follow the wisdom of their culture and the wisdom of their world, uh, of the world, to see the wisdom of God and to recognize him as the spiritual authority that he is in their life. And he starts in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 by saying, look, I want you to understand authority the way it should be first. He says, verse 1, this is how one should regard us. He's talking about Paul and Apollos, himself and Apollos. One should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul's saying, like, let's get this straight. Like, you've got to understand our role in this whole big picture. Our role in this big picture is that we're serving Jesus first and foremost. That's who we are and that's what we're called to do. We are servants of Christ, number one. Whether we are tent makers or itinerant preachers, we are servants of the most high God. His name is Jesus and you've got to know that. That's the first thing that we need to get straight. And he continues by saying that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. That God had entrusted uh, them with the good news of Jesus. That God had entrusted them with, with the, uh, the authority in the church in terms of the truth. And so he's, he's appealing to them saying, we've got to get this right in our minds first. Is really who we are. Like You've got to understand what God has called us to be in your life and in, in really the big picture of the unfolding church. Let's skip down to verse uh, 6. He says... I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us. So he's trying to establish their, their relationship as preachers of the gospel to the local church by saying, look, our role for you is that you would learn by us. That, that's our role, is that you would learn by us not to go beyond what is written. He's talking about the scriptures. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. See, Paul points to the root of why there was so much anarchy in Corinth. Paul points to the root of why it was such a mess, why there was so much resistance to authority, resistance to structure, resistance to doing things the way that God really uh, had in mind when he began the church. He's saying it's, it's your pride. You're puffed up one against another. You think you're better than your neighbor? You think you're better than me? You think you're better than all of these leaders that God has given to the church? Whether it be Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Peter, you, you guys are puffed up one against another and puffed up against your leaders. And he's pointing to the root issue that you and I have when it comes to authority. The root issue that we have when it comes to authority, it's pride. That's the issue that got Satan kicked out of heaven in the first place. The Bible tells us that, that he rose up in pride against God. He was cast out of heaven along with one-third of the angels. It's the root sin. And if you look at the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, God, God gave them protection in the garden. God gave them provision in the garden. 
They were under his protection. They, they had everything they needed in the Garden of Eden. But what did the enemy of God come and say? Oh, you could be just like God. See, you don't need to listen to him anymore. You don't need his protection. You don't need his provision. You can rise up and be just like God. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians, pointing to the root of the cause of all of their issues as a church. Let's go down to verse 8. He begins to kind of almost uh, satirically begin to say like, hey, like, let's talk about uh, what your attitude is right now, Corinthians. He says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. Like Paul is like really kind of slapping them in the face with sarcasm here saying like, hey, you guys think you've already got it all figured out. You think that you're already rich. You got it made. You're ruling and you're reigning. And, and we're just kind of lucky to be associated with you guys, right? And Paul is trying to reason with them and trying to help them understand how silly and foolish they are being. He continues on. For those of you who are parents, let me stop for, for just a second. For those of you who are parents, you understand kind of this type of conversation, right? You're having a conversation with your teenager and they're like, why can't I just have more gigabytes on my cell phone, you know? And you're like, oh, you want to pay the bills? Sure. Yeah, more gigabytes. Have fun with that, that cell phone bill. And while we're at it, why don't we talk about car insurance, why don't we talk about health insurance? How about we talk about a mortgage, right? Uh, you ever thought about a retirement fund? How much is in your 401k? You know what I'm saying? That is the conversation that Paul is beginning to have with the Corinthians, just saying like, do you understand how absurd it is the way that you guys are acting? You're a brand new church. You know barely anything about the gospel. And you're trying to tell me, the guy who was uh, educated as a Pharisee in Judaism and then Jesus Christ himself knocked me down on the road to Damascus while I was persecuting the church and called me to be an apostle, made me blind and told me that for the first three days of my life, how my, my, my Christian life, how much I was going to suffer for him as an apostle. You Corinthians, you, you're right. I'm so silly, Paul, you know? <laughs> and this is kind of the tone that he is having with the Corinthians, just trying to help them understand how absolutely absurd they're being. And then he begins to talk about kind of the role that the apostles are actually playing in the church. Even though it's kind of a frustrated tone, there's some good truth in this. He says, For I think that God has exhibited us, apostles, last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ, right? He's kind of back at it again. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. See, when Paul wrote that, that was really to the Corinthians, I think, uh, an appeal to them to, to help them understand that, hey, like, you value this, uh, you know, uh, public speaker, motivational speaker, preacher kind of thing as this, you know, that's what's most important. And, and, 
You're missing the whole point. Your culture has fed you one thing about what, what it is to be a successful follower of Jesus. But, but help, let, let our lives help you understand that maybe it's not just about being in lights on a stage. Maybe it's about being willing to be servants. He's saying we're working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. He says in verse 14, I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. See, Paul, he's frustrated. He knows what's going on in Corinth. He knows how absurd it is. And he, he, he has this, this switch where he says, look, I'm, I'm not trying to make you ashamed because here's the thing. Shame isn't a good motivator anyway, right? There, there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's not what I'm talking about. This isn't a sal- salvation issue, Corinthians. You're just a mess. And I'm trying to admonish you. I'm trying to teach you some hard truth. I'm trying to, to, uh, to have a conversation with you as a father does with a son. Because you are my beloved children. Verse 15, he says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. See, Paul is, is reasoning with the Corinthians, trying to help them understand that the way that they're thinking is totally upside down and backwards in comparison to the way that the kingdom of God is meant to be. See, they, they, they saw Paul's authority as a burden rather than a blessing. And, and what Paul is sharing is nothing new, right? Uh, authority has been set up from the very beginning. Let's talk about, for just a moment, the, the Ten Commandments, right? So early on, uh, God is interacting with the people of Israel, and he, and he is sharing with them all the most important things in life, right? He's saying, don't kill each other. <laughs> it's pretty important. That's a big deal. Don't steal from each other, right? Don't, don't, uh, don't commit adultery, right? Don't, don't cheat on your spouse. These are big ones, right? And right in the middle of, of all of these big things, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't create idols and worship them. Like in the middle of all of those large things, God says, and oh, by the way, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you will live long in the land. Later, Paul in Ephesians chapter six references this and says, hey, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's just the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents for this is right. For those of you who are parents, you agree wholeheartedly with this scripture, right? For those of you who are children, perhaps it's going to take you a while to warm up, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was in trouble, a lot of times I had to write sentences. You guys ever have to do that? Like write the same thing over and over again? It was like positive brainwashing. And so I had to write, children, obey your parents and the Lord, this is right, more times than I can count, right? It takes a while for children to, to warm up to, to that saying, but, but, but the reality is, is that God wants us to go one step further than even obedience. He wants us to go the step further into honoring, right? It's one thing to obey 
It's another thing to honor. Obedience is compliance. Honoring is it's a, it's a, something that we do with our heart because we say, hey, you matter to me. Your authority in my life is good. So he says, honor your father and mother that it will go well with you and that you will live long in the land. So authority is not just something uh, in society. It's not just something in the church. God created authority in the family, in the core relationships that we have. There is an authority structure because God exists in community with authority. Go beyond the, the commandments and go into the life of Jesus. So God puts on human flesh and comes to earth. And what is he saying? I don't say anything of my own accord, but I only say what the Father tells me to say. See, even Jesus Christ, God incarnate on planet earth, walked under authority. If Jesus needed authority, how much do we need authority? If Jesus submitted to his authority, how much ought we Submit to our authority. You continue on, you, you see the relationship between Jesus and the disciples. There was an authority structure there, right? And then there were leaders within the disciples, leaders within the early church. You see, uh, as the early church unfolds, you see Peter and James taking a lead role in the local church. You see the apostle Paul, when he first became a Christian... And he was ready to step into his ministry after some time with the Lord. Where did he go? He went to the church in Jerusalem and sought counsel with them, making sure that his gospel was true, good, right. See, there's, there's authority within the core of our, of our being. There's authority within the core of our relationships. There's authority within the core of our society. There's authority within the core of the church. And these things are not... These things are not meant to be burdens. They're meant to be blessings. I want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, this is a book uh, that Peter wrote. And so that is why it is entitled 1 Peter. Um, see, you guys didn't think you were going to learn anything today, but you did. Uh, 1 Peter, and uh, it's on page 658 uh, of the Mosaic Bibles. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. Peter is writing and he actually addresses the leaders in the church. And, and I want us to see as Peter addresses the leaders of the church, what the benefit of authority is for us in, in the church. I want us to understand that, that as Paul is trying to reason with the Corinthians, that authority is not a burden, but it's actually a blessing. First Peter chapter five, uh, starting in verse uh, one he says, so I exhort the elders among you. So he's, he's talking to pastors. Uh, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, a fellow pastor. I, I'm doing this. I'm appealing to you as a peer. I, I'm exhorting you. I am challenging you as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker, partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. 
not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. See, Peter is writing to the pastors of the church that, look, I want you to lead the people of your church, not for all of these wrong reasons, to gain authority, to have power, you know, to, uh, or even if you just feel obligated, those are not good reasons to lead people. But lead people willingly, eagerly, and humbly as examples to the flock. Wow, what a beautiful thing. He says this in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. That's all of us. With humility. To who? To one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we should submit to one another. We should submit to the spiritual authority in the church, the elders. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Listen, he is speaking now to the pastors, to the elders, to the shepherds of the church. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Peter is writing to the pastors and to the elders of the church to shepherd the flock well. Why? Because the devil is roaring like a lion. He is prowling around and he is seeking someone, one of you, to devour. Peter's writing that to elders. He's writing that to pastors. So what does that mean for you? That means if those of us in the church who are pastors and elders are leading the way that God has called us to lead, do you know what that means for you? That means protection from your enemy. That's a good thing, right? See, so often we look at authority, we look at at spiritual authority, and we get really nervous. And in our society and in our day and age, it makes sense. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of people that are pastors and shepherds and elders and, and have authority in the local church that probably ought not to have that authority. Perhaps they have that authority for those reasons that Peter is writing and saying, don't gain authority in the church for these reasons. That's why it's important for you to pick a great church. But when you do, submit to the spiritual authority in your church. And what that means for you guys is that someone should know you. Someone should know you. See, I look out across this group of people and many of you, I do know your names. Some of you, I know your faces. Some of you, I'm not sure. Maybe you're here for the first time, so you get a free pass on that one, right? But, but for those of you who call Mosaic Church your home, hey, someone should know you. How do we make that work here at Mosaic? It's called missional community. Where you have a missional community leader who's connected to uh, one of the elders of the church. See, this is how we shepherd and watch over one another. Is that we're known by each other. 
and that we're submitted to authority. Why? Because there is protection in it. See, at one, at one point or another, all of us are going to get a little crazy, right? All of us are going to get a little selfish. All of us are going to get prideful. All of us are going to need to be gently and lovingly admonished to change and become more like Jesus. And in order for that to happen, we've got to know each other. We've got to be in relationship with one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes and, and talks to the church there about why Jesus gave leaders to the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, if you want to go there, it's on page 634 of the Mosaic Bible, just a few pages back. Paul writes and, and, and describes why Jesus gave these leaders to the church. He says, and he gave, he, he being Jesus, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, which is synonymous for pastors and elders, and teachers. Why? What was the purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a lot of good stuff. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. See, Paul is writing to the church, helping them understand the purpose that Jesus gives leaders to the church. Why Jesus gives leaders to the church. Let me kind of bounce through some of these benefits that Paul helps them understand. Some of these provisions that, that Paul is writing to the church to help them understand that there is not only protection in the leadership in your life, but also provision. Here are some of the things that good godly leadership in the church provides. Number one, to equip the saints. That you're equipped. That you, saints, as Paul even wrote to the first Corinthians, you're, you're saints, all of you, you're saints. You don't need to, you know, do a miracle in your life and then, uh, you know, be vetted by the church to be a saint. Like if you love Jesus, you are a saint, right? And, and pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, these people have been given to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, See, the apostles and the prophets, those were the writers of the scripture. So the scripture is given to you to equip you, saints. And pastors and evangelists and teachers are meant to equip you for the work of ministry. Number two, to be built up. Number three, to have the unity of the faith. What a beautiful thing. Number four, to have a knowledge of the Son of God. Do, do you want to know Jesus? I sure do. The reason why Jesus gave us these gifts is so that we would know him better. To have maturity. To grow to the measure of the fullness of Christ. And finally, so that we won't be deceived by every wind of doctrine. You want to be deceived? Just walk through a Christian bookstore. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. pick a book. Chances are it will lead you astray. But it's in a Christian bookstore. Yeah, 
that's a business hoping to make money because we don't pay attention to what's written. Pay attention. There is a whole lot of bad stuff out there being taught under the name of Christianity. And the elders of the church here at Mosaic, we take what the Bible says extremely seriously. And we work hard together to interpret what the Bible says. So that as we preach to you, that we know that what is being preached is faithful preaching. I don't make all of this stuff. Don't worry. Renault was with me when we prepped this message, right? (laughs) Right? Hey, and don't worry. I was with him every message that he prepped. Listen, we as a a community of pastors come together with God-given spiritual authority to protect you from false teaching. And you need that protection from me. And that is why we don't have a singular pastor. That's why Renault is not the only pastor at our church. He's one of many pastors. It is a collective. We are submitted to to Jesus first and to one another second. And it is to protect you and it is to provide for you. See, just as God gave protection and provision in the Garden of Eden... He has given protection and provision within the local church. Leadership is not a burden. It's actually a blessing and a gift. And you as a follower of Jesus and I as a follower of Jesus are invited in to welcome authority in our lives. First, as we submit mutually to one another. As we say, you know what? I'm actually going to trust the Jesus in you. Would you trust the Jesus in me? I'm going to trust the Jesus in you enough to spend life with you and do community with you and do mission with you. I'm going to trust the people of this church to be my community, to help me when I'm thinking about making a stupid life decision, to bounce questions off about the Bible to discover things about God, to, to, to grow in my relationship with Jesus so I could have maturity and grow to the full measure of the stature of Christ. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. All of this stuff is really actually incredible. I want to close this morning with uh, something that the author of Hebrews wrote. We've been all over the scriptures this morning and, and, and we've, we've, we've heard from Paul. We've heard from Peter. We've heard about the Ten Commandments. We've, we've heard about the life of Jesus, right? So this is all over the scriptures. This stuff is not like we pulled one verse out and we're like, you guys should listen to your authority, right? This is all over the scriptures. This is beautiful, good, wonderful stuff. In Hebrews chapter 13, it's on page 654 if you want to go there. It's such a beautiful sum up of this whole subject of spiritual authority and leadership and, and how much we, we really do need it for our protection and for our provision. And in closing this morning, I'm going to read this to you. Starting in verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. See, it's, it's, it rubs against us when we hear those words, right? Obey and submit. Doesn't it just kind of like, I don't want to do that. But here's why. 
for they are keeping watch over your souls. <laughs> there's protection. There's provision. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Church, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. And he closes with this beautiful thought. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, church, authority, it's not, it's, it's not a burden. It's a gift. It's a gift. There's protection. There's provision. See, in the church in Corinth, they thought they could do it all on their own. They thought that they were the supreme court of authority in their lives. But we know that God is our authority and that he is our chief shepherd and that he has chosen to have people shepherd under him. And he's in control and he loves us and he's good and he cares for us. Let's be a church, Mosaic, that recognizes authority, not as a burden, but as a gift that we pray for our leaders, that we submit to one another, that we love the fact that God has offered us an opportunity to be protected and to be provided for through the leadership in our lives. What a beautiful invitation. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for you. We know that from time to time, because human authority is imperfect, it is so difficult for us. We are a culture of individuals. We often believe that our way is the way. Help us to be humble, Jesus. Help us to submit to your rule and to your reign in our lives. God, I pray that we as a church would be the people that would look at, at, at our leaders, imperfect as they may be, that we would look at one another, imperfect as we may be, and that we would choose to humbly submit to one another so that we could be protected from the enemy and so that we would be provided for for the purpose of doing your will in the earth. Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to the truth that is found in your word. And we submit ourselves to our leaders. We're grateful for you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.